0: Bismillah ar rahim wa salatu wa ala ashraf al-anbiya wal mursaleen Sayyidina wa maulana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome to everybody today for another lesson in this series Women on the Straight Path brought to you by MISC Women, the Muslim Institute for Sacred Knowledge Uh, Shukran for your presence. Uh, My name is Umabdallah and welcome again inshallah we have an interesting lesson planned for today inshallah uh, where we will be discussing uh, Sayyida Hawa who is Eve as she is known in uh, the English speaking world and she's the wife of Sayyidina Adam the first prophet and the first human being ever created and inshallah we will be looking at her story from the perspective of the metaphysical realities that are presented in it, rather than just looking at a series of events, but rather we'll be taking a particular angle and trying to get uh, deeper into what are the meanings there that are presented to us in the Quran uh, about this woman and of course about this man and what that means for us and humankind our intentions are inshallah bismillahir rahmanir rahim nawaitu ta'alluma wata'alim mutathakkura Tadkir, wan nafa wal intifa wal ifada wal istifada wal hatha ala tamassuk bi kitab allah wa sunnati rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wad du'a ila al huda wad dalalata ala al khair ibtigha wajhi wa mardatihi wa kurbihi wa thawabihi subhanahu wa ta'ala In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful, I intend to learn and teach, to remember and remind, to benefit myself and to benefit others, to derive usefulness and extend it to others, to encourage adherence to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of his Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to call to guidance and direct towards good, seeking thereby the countenance, pleasure, proximity and reward of Allah, the absolutely transcendent, and most exalted. Amen. Okay, in today's class, inshallah, we're going to look at three particular topics, inshallah. First of all, what do we mean by metaphysics? And then we're going to look at Sayyidina Adam and Sayyidina Hawa uh, in the Quran. And as I said, from the angle of establishing the relationship between men and women, which is the metaphysical relationship that we will be discussing. And then finally, inshallah, we will have a look at a few points uh, with regards to women on the straight path as a, as a general topic. And inshallah, we make our intentions and direct ourselves towards being amongst those women, inshallah. Um, so looking at that uh, versus modern feminism... So trying to understand what it means to be a woman on the straight path in respect with this metaphysical uh, concept and how does that compare to uh, what modern is what modern feminism presents to us and how we conduct ourselves in the modern world given that this uh, feminist view and world view has overtaken the metaphysical Inshallah Okay so our first point Uh, What do we mean by metaphysics? Now, metaphysics isn't exactly a buzzword at the moment, although I think it's starting to become a little bit more popular. So there's there's certainly a good chance that you will have heard that word before and you might not uh, be familiar with uh, what it means and particularly uh, the depth of meaning that it tries to convey. But the word itself, metaphysics, the meta part there refers to being beyond the physical. So it has to do with what is beyond this physical realm, this material realm, this life of the dunya. And it's about everything that happens in the unseen world. But this unseen world is what we are informed about. And that's what religion and revelation does. It informs us of the realities and of the truths which have been created and which exist and which inform our lived reality here in the material world and it's conveyed to us through revelation through divine revelation and that is conveyed to us through the prophets so when we're talking about the metaphysical we're talking about the unseen realities which we have been informed about and believe in as part of the tenets of our faith and we know that these uh, that these things exist that these realities exist but they are realities that exist beyond the seen world so the very first of those is this ayah that's here so this is really where the whole concept of the metaphysical begins for us because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clearly said in the Quran know that there is no God except Allah so when a human being uh, realises that and understands that and believes in that then along with that comes the whole belief Uh, first of all the the recognition, the acceptance and then the belief of an entire unseen metaphysical reality um, that has been created Uh, alongside this material reality that we are currently existing in and also this particular verse I mean it's a very rich verse it's very simple in its format and in um, in in what it appears to convey but when you go into the meaning of it uh, you understand just how rich and how vast it actually is but the very basis of it here is also showing that there are two parts and that is uh, expressed in fa'lam which is know which is an imperative verb so so know that which is you okay or us the created beings that there is no god except allah that there is allah who is the creator and the divine being and there is the creation which is us and we are part of the material world so our Uh, we also have of course our our existence in the non-material world which is with the realm of the souls which has been before we come into material existence here and of course when our bodies pass away and our souls continue to exist and go into the barzakh the intermediary realm and then to the day of judgment and then to um, an eternal life inshallah may Allah make us all from the people of paradise then we also have this connection to the unseen world through our soul. So the point is that this whole um, metaphysical aspect that we're looking at has to do with um, where our our soul comes from, where our soul is going, and what are the realities of that. Okay, And that's the, the other existence beyond this material that Allah has created for us to know him and for us to know the realities of that so that's what it means to be beyond the physical so what does that mean then in terms of things so if we have this physical and material world now then what does it mean that things exist in this sort of unseen or beyond material world And what it means for us is to understand that every single thing exists and has been created except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he is the the ever living, um, beginninglessly, endless and permanently and perfectly existing creator of everything and that he has created everything for a particular reason in a particular way and in relationship to other things. So nothing exists randomly and on its own without having been created in relation to something else. Okay, so we don't just have random things out there in the universe that don't have a type of existence within a particular realm with regards to anything else in that realm. So if we look at space, for example, there is a a relationship between everything that exists in space, that exists in that realm. If we look at the sea and the animals and the whole ecology or the whole ecosystem of life in the sea, everything there has been created in specific ways and specifically in relation to each other so that these things are able to exist side by side in harmony and likewise on the face of the earth so here we are and we are beings who require sustenance from the earth and sustenance from the skies in the form of water and we have um, physical needs we need shelter we need clothing and we also need to have human company because Allah has made us uh, sociable beings so we're not like insects or snakes for example that can hatch out of a shell and disappear and be on their be on their own and they don't need anyone or anything else. they just need to hunt for a living. We are um, inextricably related to the people around us in these bonds of human relationships. So when we look at the story of Sedna Adam and his wife Hawa Eve, what we're looking at is what are those relationships? What is that that exists between men and women okay and therefore humanity as a whole, And how do we understand what each of those parts has been created for and how they relate to each other so when we look at the metaphysical that's what we're looking at so why why and how are things created and how do they relate to each other so what we're doing here is exploring and rectifying our understanding of these big concepts beyond what we see in this material world, in order to understand the things that we don't see beyond this material world. So here we are in a very physical and a sensory way, um, experiencing this reality, but this is not our only reality. We have a reality that is linked to and has been created through this unseen part, And it's manifested here and the the consequences or the results of what happens now in the seen and material world um, are, are also affected by the extent to which we are able to manifest properly those metaphysical ideas and relationships that have been established there before us and so we'll understand that point a little bit more inshallah so what's that got to do with our reality now? So if we can just kind of preempt the last part where we said we would sort of talk about this in relation to sort of the modern world and modern feminism, then the point is that if we if we don't understand these principles of existence and why things have been created and how they've been created to be in relation to each other, then we won't understand a lot of the modern issues and problems that we are faced with today and the way in which we have become unhinged and severed from the realities of why things exist and why they exist in relation to the other things that they do so what we're doing here when we look at the metaphysical is we're going right back to the very roots of what are things um, how do we know things and how do we know what we're meant to do with those things okay so that's that's what we're uh, hoping to understand when we look at this particular story So I don't know if that's very clear. Um, I hope so. It's kind of a big, huge thing to jump into straight away in the, you know, in the beginning of a lesson. Uh, But what we're doing is establishing our framework for understanding. Okay, and this becomes really important when we look particularly at feminism, because feminism really undoes all of that for us and upsets our uh, proper concept and connection to um, the, the creation of men and women and the creation of the bond or relationship between them um, as we will see inshallah so when we look at um, Sayyidina Adam and his wife Sayyidina Hawa or Eve in the Quran there are a couple of questions that we can keep in, the, keep in our mind as we go through some of these verses in the Quran and uh, try and get the answers from these so the first one is where did she come from? Because Saidna Adam was created without a mother or father, and as we know from some of our previous stories, um, that Saidna that Saidna Isa Jesus was created without a father, Um, and that Saidna Adam was created without a mother or father, and the same with his wife, Hawa. So she was created from him but also without a mother and father. So there's this way in which she came into being and there was a certain role that she was created for uh, which we will see and we have to ask ourselves because we are, uh, our view of her can be tinted uh, by this Christian concept of her being responsible for the downfall of Satan Adam and therefore the downfall of man. Uh, because it's said in the Christian tradition that she is uh, responsible for him eating from the forbidden tree. And we need to ask in Islam, well, do we have the same opinion of that? And so do we blame woman for being the downfall of men because of this concept of original sin? So in the Christian tradition, every child is born sinful uh, because they're born with this tainting of... Uh, this uh, this uh, disobedience that, that Eve was responsible for creating in Adam okay and so the only way to be purified from that is to have some type of holy communion or baptism or some ceremony which purifies you of that but in Islam we don't have that of course but is it true still that she was responsible for his um, corruption by making him eat from that forbidden tree. So we'll just have a bit of a look there at a couple of scholarly opinions on that inshallah. Uh, but what we're looking for mostly with when we look at these ayahs is we're looking at the establishment of the relationship between men and women in the metaphysical world, in the world in the un- of the unseen, uh, before It became manifested here in this life of the material world in the dunya Okay, so these are some verses from Surat al-Baqarah, which you are probably familiar with and uh, These are extremely rich and meaningful and deep verses and they talk about knowledge and knowledge is known in its more formal sense or as a field of study and it's called epistemology and these verses also look at being and being is called ontology so this is like the philosophy of knowledge and the philosophy of being uh, epistemology and ontology and so these are big uh, philosophical ideas and concepts that are all presented here in these words so we're not really going to look at that specifically but the reason why it's important to mention that is because when we look at the creation of human beings and when we look at the purpose of their creation which is to worship allah then that's where this is established here and not only have and that's the ontological part and not only have human beings been established uh, for this ontological purpose of worshiping god but they've also been uh, given knowledge and so it's not really possible to to worship god properly without knowing him or without being on a path of seeking knowledge of him so our knowledge consists of the acts that we do and how we do those things which is our commandment to worship which is in our five pillars our prayer our fasting our paying zakah and our performance of the hajj so it's in that but it's there's also another level of knowledge which is that spiritual knowledge which is seeking marifa or seeking that gnosis that very deep Under uh, knowledge and understanding not just of Allah's actions which we see all around us but of his sifat which is his attributes and also to the extent that it's possible for a human being to get close enough to understand his that which is his essence. Now of course we don't really have the intellect to know exactly what that essence is but there are ways that we can experience the divine and experience that connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which gives us some type of way of understanding uh, the vastness of the divine in our own limited capacity so the knowledge that's being talked about here is on multiple levels and all of that knowledge has been taught to us and here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the angels and he says that I'm placing a successor on earth So earth, everything had already been created, and the angels were worshipping Allah, and so was Shaitan, Iblis, okay, who was made from the jinn. And he lived like he was an angel, although he wasn't, he was from the jinn, so we have humans, angels, and jinn, but he lived like them, and he had reached a very, very high level, and was said to have worshipped in every single place on the face of the earth. But when Allah subhanahu wa taala announced to the angels that he's going to create a successor, a khalifa, uh, they, they said, the angel said, will you place in it someone who will cause corruption and shed blood, while we glorify you with praise and sanctify you? And Allah said, I know what you do not know. And so then he taught Adam the name, so he taught Adam everything. And he presented them to the angels and he said, which is the, the the things, and he said, tell me the names of these, if you are sincere. And then the angels recognized that they didn't know and they didn't really have that knowledge. And they said, glory be to you, Subhanak, we have no knowledge except what you have taught us. It is you who are the knowledgeable and the wise. So when we look here, and what's coming up shortly is um, is the... Uh, creation of Adam and his wife his partner um, then what we see here that they have been created within this realm of knowledge of divine knowledge which the angels didn't have and which nobody had except for Allah and so he taught Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam, all the names of everything and he instilled and imbued in him all the knowledge that was required and human beings came from that So the knowledge on all levels was there and given and within that knowledge is contained not just the names of things but also how and what things are and the ways in which these things relate to each other, okay? And that's our really most important point that that relationship between things was established here, okay? Not in our imaginations not in our time not according to our political situation our economic situation our cultural situation not the real arrangement of everything and particularly that relationship between male and female was established here in this realm in the realm of the unseen in a a time a very very long time ago And in a way that not only was it established there, but that when Sadna Adam and Sadna Hawa, when they were expelled then from that uh, level of heaven and they came to the earth, they brought with them that knowledge and they brought with them the way in which human beings, being men and women, were meant to relate to each other. So they didn't just have something going on there and then come here and that all just disappeared no they came with everything that they had been taught in that realm and we need to remember that as well because this relationship between them was created with perfection and it was created in the best possible way and the creation of everything isn't just something that we look at through a whole um canon of mathematical or scientific or um sort of physical laws which are a part of it but the creation of everything also includes the social way in which human beings relate to each other okay and in particular the way men and women relate to each other so every single thing has been created in the most complete way and that was established there and then it came here and their children were born and then we have this whole family of humanity of which we are many many millennia down the track from that and uh, inshallah still under these um, laws these rules these principles um, these uh, divinely created and ordained systems of how we are to relate to each other in the best of ways and then the consequences we can see of what happens when those laws are not understood or adhered to so then Allah says in the verse 33 O oh Adam, tell them their names so tell the angels what all these things are and what's referred to there by these names of things is also what we call the quiddity of things or the mahia, as it's known in Arabic and this is the essence of all things so it's not just giving something a name it's not just a linguistic uh, kind of uh, application of something but it's actually uh, the essence of things so, so Adam is instructed here to explain to the angels, um, not just what the, what this is like, you know, given a, 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 a like a nominal type of form, but its essence. Okay, so what are these things? And this is what Satan, Adam knows. This is the knowledge that he's being given. So after that, then the angels are ordered to bow down to Adam. And. They all bowed down in prostration except for Iblis, who's the jinn, and he refuses and he was arrogant and he was one of the disbelievers. And the interesting thing about Iblis's rejection here, or first of all his rebellion, where he refuses to follow the divine command to, to bow to bow down to Adam, and it was not a bowing down in worship of Adam, but it was a bowing down in obedience to Allah. So if Allah says to do something, then you do it. And so the angels did, but Iblis didn't. And the reason why, and this is in another chapter in the Quran, but the reason why he refused and why he was arrogant is uh, interesting, particularly if you look at our time, because he was rejecting on the grounds of something material. And what he saw as being important and and of material value Uh, Was the fact that he says that, you know, I'm not going to bow down to him because you created me from fire and you created him from clay. So he was looking at the substance of himself and the substance of Satan Adam rather than looking at the essence. And had he understood the essence of Satan Adam and had he understood, I mean, maybe he did understand, but he was arrogant so that's why he didn't submit but had he had he submitted or understood properly that essence of adam then he would have known that he was superior and it had nothing to do with his form but that it had to do with the fact that he was given this knowledge and that he was given uh, gnosis like marifa like a greater knowledge of allah and that he was given um, ta'a he was given uh, obedience and that he was uh, given a, a rank above him okay not because of the substance he was made from but because of this knowledge his understanding and this being and this role that he was imbued with and that's his ontology which is also to worship Allah but with this particular type of knowledge which was specified for him so Iblis refused on the grounds of what Adam was made from and, and this is a very material thing and if we look at our world at the moment and a lot of the issues in our world, people are um, obsessed with the material, they're uh, obsessed with uh, things which, uh, the way, the form of things, the, the substance of things rather than the essences of things because when people move away from understanding the essence, the mahia, the quiddity of things and the way in which those things have been created to relate to each other then they focus on the superficial material and try to read essences into that which don't exist and so we see that manifest in our time because when you remove that metaphysical concept of essences and their relation to each other and you only look at material and substances then you're only looking at a superficial world of things which are finite and which will disappear and which in and of themselves don't have meaning because forms don't have the same meaning as essences do. And so when we look at perhaps um, the state of the natural world at the moment around us, because human beings have taken that notion or that concept of essence out of their understanding and dealing with the natural world and they only look at it as substance then that door for abuse and violation and transgression is open so people don't see the earth as being something in and of itself that has an essence that we as caretakers of the earth need to look for uh, need to look uh, after but rather we just look for how we can use these substances for our own material purpose and gain and so that explains of course why we are saying in this uh, climate uh, crisis or whatever you want to call it yeah so uh, 35 وَكُلَى مِنْهَا رَغَدًا حَيْثُ وَلَا هَذِهِ مِنَ الطَّالِمِينَ So it means that Allah said to Adam, يَا yeah Adam أُسْكُنْ أَنْتَ So stay here, live and reside here. أَنْتَ وَزَوْجُكَ You and your wife or partner, your Zoj. So stay in the Jannah and eat from it, whatever you want, but don't come close to this tree okay because if you do then you will be of those who transgress the important word here there are a couple of important words one of them is enter okay so where Adam is told now so stay here reside here and live in comfort and harmony you and your wife okay so it's said that Adam, when he was created, he was alone and that he felt this sense of loneliness. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created his his partner, his mate, his Zouj, Okay, He's like the other side because things are made, as we've said before, in binaries. Um, things are made in pairs, in twos. And Zawj, the word zoj in Arabic means a pair. And so it's said that one night he slept... And when he was asleep, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created from his rib this uh, other creature called Hawa and he didn't feel that. And then when he woke up in the morning and he saw that there was this woman, this other creature sitting next to him and he said, who are you? And she said that I am your your Zoj and I have been created for you to live with in harmony. So this word, uskun anta, so to live in harmony with your partner, um, she said that to him. And so she, she told him what her purpose was. And her purpose was to be his partner, his zote, and for them to live in harmony together. So this is a really important concept, okay, that men and women have been created as individuals to worship Allah, but together to be in harmony and together to be as waj which is the plural like of Zodj now there's uh, different ways that this uh, marital or this man and woman relationship is uh, mentioned in the Quran one of them is Zodj and one of them we see with regards to some of the other women in the Quran like we saw last week um, the wife of Sayyidina Nuh and the wife of Sayyidina salam, and they're called the Imra. But the Zoj means the one who is equal in faith, equal in Iman, on the same spiritual rank. So when it's the Zoj, it means they're together and, and bonded and tied on that spiritual rank of um, belief and uh, their understanding of, of who they are. Whereas when we talk about Imratunur or Imratulut, then it's actually, imra is actually the word for woman. And so even now, like particularly in Egyptian Arabic, if someone introduces themselves, they can say, oh, I'm the wife of so-and-so. Perhaps, you know, their husbands are friends and now the wives are meeting each other. So she'll say imrat fulan," so I'm, I'm, the, I'm the woman of so-and-so, which is how you say the wife of. Um, that's like a more sort of modern usage, but in the Quran, when you talk about the imrat, then you're talking about the wife, but a wife who's not equal in on the station of faith. Okay, so the wife of Sedna Lut, for example, was not equal to him in faith. Had she been, and we looked at this last week, had she had that fealty and that fidelity and that loyalty to the path that her husband was on, then she may have been called his zold, his partner or his soldier. Uh, but because she wasn't, then the way that she's named kind of drops the rank and reflects the fact that she wasn't on the same level as him so the Zodji is the pair and here Adam and Hawa have been called uh, like the Zodja and the Zodja of each other so they are the pair they're equal together in a uh, spiritual rank in a metaphysical uh, manifestation and reality because they've been created for the same purpose and they are there to live together in harmony so this is Not just what they're made for, which is their ontological reality of worship, but also their actual lived reality of harmony. So then the Shaitan uh, whispers to them and he causes them to depart the state that they were in. And because they ate from the tree, which they were not meant to do, uh, then they were sent down to the earth okay so they disobeyed allah because they were tricked by shaitan by iblis who as we saw was arrogant and jealous because of adam's substance and who uh tricked um one of the, the the creatures um the snake who was outside paradise to take him in in its mouth and to go and speak to them and so he tempted them and he he told them oh it's okay you can eat from the tree and uh they they didn't want to and there are differences here like that adam didn't want to and he didn't but the iblis worked harder on uh, saida hawa and convinced her and then she ate from it okay that's one view another view is that they ate from it together so it's not exactly sure the order of events like who ate from it first or not uh but the fact is they did both eat from it Okay, so, and this is important and every single time that they're um, eating from it has been mentioned in the Quran it's always in the Muthanna which means that it's in the grammatical form of the dual d-u-a-l which means two and in Arabic you have singular which obviously refers to one person dual, the Muthanna which refers to two and then plural So in Arabic, plural is three and more. And you have this jewel which refers to two, which can be two males, two females, or a male and a female, it it doesn't matter. So basically every time they ate, and whenever that's referred to, it's always mentioned in the jewel. So they, those two ate. Okay, so that's the important thing, that they both disobeyed Allah's command. So Allah sent them and shaitan and the snake it said um to the earth and there they would reside and live for a certain period of time um then it says here in 37 then adam received words from his lord so he relented towards him so relent there really means to make toba so he repented actually towards him and allah is um the turning and the merciful so repentance there means to to turn back to so he they realized their mistake and he became repentant but with words that that Allah had uh, given him the knowledge of Uh, and here uh, one of the interpretations of this is that when Sayyidina Adam repented we only see it here in this verse his own repentance and not of his wife she does in Surah Al-A'raf repent herself but here the first time he repents. And so it's thought one of the interpretations is that he's repenting on behalf of both of them. And the reason why is because he has been given the responsibility and authority for both of them. So if he makes a so if he makes a mistake, he's responsible for himself. But if she makes a mistake with him, then he's responsible for both of them. So here he has to repent for letting his guardianship slide for uh, not fulfilling his responsibility towards her and that he now needs to repent and take responsibility for the fact that she also slipped up why because he has been given that rank of guardianship over her so we will just check um briefly in those other verses as well where she does make her repentance because every single person is responsible for their own behavior you cannot blame other people for the things that you do Um, particularly when you're an adult okay and uh, you ultimately are responsible for your own mistakes so she shows us that afterwards but first of all here he takes responsibility for both of them so this is just uh, going back to the story Um, so here shaitan has said to them you know I'm a sincere advisor and then he lures them with deceit so this is the verses now in surah al araf and uh, Sayyidah Adam is mentioned 25 times in the Quran, his story particularly, and his, um, his name is mentioned 25 times in 25 different verses, but Saida Hawa, her name is never mentioned, okay, so we know that what her name is from the Tafsir. And the point that I wanted to bring out here as well is that um, in this verse, so, uh, so Shaitan lured them with deceit. So he deceived them into eating. And then when they tasted the tree or the fruits of that tree or whatever it was, and there's some scholarly difference of opinion there, was it figs, was it dates, uh, was it an, uh, something like a pomegranate or an apple, or some say it was wheat, um, then whatever it was that they tasted then as a result of that act of disobedience their nakedness became evident to them so they were already naked like they weren't dressed in jannah why because Jannah's is not the place the paradise is not the place where you work and do things um, that's the place of eternal blessing and bliss and everything that you need is there so they didn't even know that they didn't have clothes on until they disobeyed then they began covering themselves with the leaves of the garden And Allah called out to them and said, Did I not forbid you from this tree? And say to you that uh, Satan, uh, Shaitan Iblis, is a sworn enemy. So, what's interesting here is nakedness and disobedience. And obviously, we don't have to look very far at all to see that manifested in our time in probably the most extreme form ever um, that has ever been in human history. Why? Because we're the furthest away from living by these metaphysical realities because we live in a time of extreme atheism and secularism where we have removed the metaphysical from our concept of life and existence and we live purely in the material so if you live purely in the material world without having any type of governance or uh, impact or any connection to the metaphysical then you are just going to live in an animalistic type of way because your own essence your own being is not connected to anything higher because you have denied that and in in denying that you are therefore in an act of disobedience to those um, natural laws about how human beings are how they've been created to be how they relate to each other Um, and so you just live like an animal and animals don't have clothes I mean they're already covered with like fur or feathers or scales or whatever their uh natural covering is but just same with the humor i mean we're covered in skin um you know which makes us no different to any other creature covered in skin but because of our essence because of who we are and the rank and the purpose for which we have been created and how we are meant to relate to each other then we're also given this blessing of covering ourselves but if we deny that and reject that, then we just lower ourselves to that level of animals and it all just becomes about the flesh. And that's the time that we live in now. So here is the repentance of Seydat hawa and, uh, and they, they say, so if you see there, the first line in the Arabic next to the number 23 so that last letter there is the alif luth name that's the alif that uh, signifies the jewel okay so the two of them said and so we have done wrong to ourselves wa illam wa tarhamna so unless you forgive us and have mercy on us we will be among the losers those who lose out in this dunya and in the Akhirah so then Allah says okay you can all go to the earth and there you will have residence and live for a while and in it you will live and in it you will die and from it you will be brought out okay so this is now where we understand that the human being has been created to be here for a short and temporary period of time we're born into this material world, we die in this material world and it's from this that we will be extracted and brought out and raised again for our reckoning and then we go back to that other existence. May Allah make us all from the residence of the highest place in Jannah, Amen. And there we go back for eternity. And then finally... um, Where Allah says, Ya Bani Adam, so O children of Adam, we have provided you with clothing to cover your bodies and for luxury. So here now we have this reference to clothing, what it's for. So this is a really important part also of manifesting our metaphysical reality here on the earth is to cover ourselves. Because Satur covering is um is uh, particularly for women okay men too like men have to cover their nakedness but this is sort of one of the the most fundamental aspects of a woman's existence is to be covered not just with her uh, physical body but also through covering and protecting her honor Um, and uh, you know this happens uh, through the wearing of clothes so when you do cover yourself properly you're covering your honor um as well as your physical body. And so this is really the basis of uh, a woman because when she's out in public, then her honor is covered and respected because she's covered or meant to be. And then when she's in her home, okay, which is also another covering for her, then that is also where she is to be respected and honored because she is the daughter, she's the sister, she's the wife, she's the mother, she's the grandmother. Um, And she has a very important role to play. So by having that setter, that covering of her in a physical environment, and then when she's out of that physical environment, and perhaps she's in the workplace, or she's uh, going about whatever she does in the community, or she's shopping in the supermarket, or doing whatever she does in her daily life, that she's always covered with the clothes of modesty, And that, and as this ayah says, but the clothing of piety, that is the best. Okay, so she's not only covered physically, but she's also covered with a a good and proper and uh, modest and God-fearing inner state. And that's what taqwa is, it's God-fearingness and God-consciousness, and that that is the very best of clothing. So that's uh, where those particular eyes end. And then there's just one more here that I want to mention in Surah sort of Taha. Um, and there's a particular interpretation of this again about whether or not Sayyidina um, Hawa was responsible for Adam eating the fruit. So whether you can blame her. And here um, he's being addressed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm-hmm. who says, so this he's talking about shaitan iblis and he says this is an enemy to you and to your wife okay he's his equal partner so he says do not let him make you leave the garden okay so don't um don't let him uh don't let this shaitan get the better of you so be strong and resist that for then you will suffer okay so if it is that you do give in and you do slip up and you do get tricked and deceived and fall for it um which is the last word there then you will suffer and this is singular okay so so adam is addressed and he's told that this is an enemy to you and your wife okay so now she's being referred to so looking at the arabic here uh, فلا, فلا كما, so don't let him take you too, because the kuma is again the dual, okay, so you too, from the jannah, for then you, singular Adam, will suffer. Okay, so, so some of the mufassirin, some of the commentators have said that this uh, final word, suffer, being in the singular and being addressed to Adam, means that if you're tricked, and you're both thrown out, you will suffer because you're responsible. Okay, so again, this refers to the role of the man which has been established to be the guardian, the protector, the one who looks out for the interest, for the maslaha of the one under his care, which here is his wife. Okay, and that should he let that go, and should he not fulfill that, then you, Adam, will suffer okay for having disobeyed and for having uh let that role of yours not be fulfilled so here we can see also that how that she shared in everything with him okay so she was there in all of this it wasn't that he was addressed by the shaitan and that you know he had his own issues no they were there together so this is a, a partnership this is a a mutual Uh, sharing of everything that goes on but as some say he was ultimately responsible and they both repented so you can see the dynamic there for the pair of them and as individuals okay so that's all that I wanted to mention about that Uh, and I hope inshallah that some of those main concepts are clear and that you're starting to get a bit more of an understanding about, um, about these dynamics and I saw something kind of flick through on my phone the other day, uh, one of these sort of a bit funny statements and it said, uh, I can't remember the exact words but it, it meant that secular Muslims are those who believe in uh, the mathematical and physical laws that Allah has created. But they don't believe that Allah has created laws for human interaction so it was something like that so there's this view there that okay you know we can we can believe in Allah and accept that you know oh look we can look at you know the water cycle we can look at Um, you know anything at all we can go down to the smallest of atoms and to the biggest of planets and we can see this incredible uh, unity that goes on in the whole uh, creation and sustenance of the material world around us but when it comes to human beings oh no we're creatures of free choice oh we don't have to adhere to any natural laws of relationships of uh, wholesomeness of um, respect and purity towards each other. You know we're free agents. We can do what we want. We can follow our heart's desire, and no one can stop us. You know we're not going to be um, held up to some you know law of some uh, you know ancient archaic system. You know etc. etc. You know what I'm talking about. So there's this disconnect when it comes to looking at the physical laws of science, if you like, what we call um, empirical science. And when it comes to human beings and the way in which we live and relate to each other in in this world but as these uh, verses and this story of Sada Hawa show us that um, the reality is that human beings have also been created within a particular nizam, within a particular system or namudij like a particular way of relating to each other as well and if that's violated which it is shockingly in our time and in the most uh, you know extreme ways then we actually see the undoing of the human being and we see the illnesses that result from that and we see the whole fragmentation and breakdown of the human being as an individual and of the society and the social systems through which uh, people relate to each other so how do we understand those things specifically in our context of women on the straight path uh, versus modern feminism, okay? And the types of ideas that we are led to believe are true for women and that, you know, this is the way we should be living our life, um, you know, according to these feminist uh, principles and ideas which we have been um, subjected to in a very forceful and aggressive way Uh, Starting over a hundred years ago, but most particularly in the last kind of 50 or 60 years from the 1960s. So, as we can see that women on the straight path are women who live in harmony with their men. And that those men live in harmony with their women. Now, this is not to say that there aren't problems. Of course there are problems. There's always problems. Okay, and this is part of the human existence is that we are going to find people who uh, have not been educated to think in the way that this metaphysical reality would would have us educated in. So you will find men who don't treat women well, and this is for sure. And you'll also find a lot of women who don't treat men well, okay? And this happens. There have been many treacherous and betraying women in the past, and we saw a couple of them last week who were the wives of prophets even. So it's not just that when we look at the, the, this uh, non-application of metaphysical reality from a female perspective that we're only looking at transgressions of men against women or oppression of men against women, we also have to look at, well, how do women not fulfil their role when it comes to living properly with their men the way in which um, we have been created to do so and the way in which our sharia, our divine law... Um, makes it very clear for us and instructs us to do so. So men and women both have rights and men and women both are required as acts of obedience to fulfill those rights towards one another and that's uh, probably uh, the, the most clear in terms of the marital relationship. So um, a husband has rights that the wife is required to fulfill and the wife has rights that the husband is required to fulfill. And so our Sharia actually enables and protects those rights for each other. And when there are transgressions on either side, then there is a a recourse, there is an action that can be undertaken to try and rectify or change those transgressions. So harmony, which our um, divine revealed law brought to us uh, in its final form through the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is something that women on the straight path seek and they seek to fulfill the rights of those around them and particularly their husbands um, and this is for their own personal well-being the well-being of their husband the well-being of the family and therefore the well-being of the community and society at large so women on the straight path are seeking to maintain that seeking to look at okay what, are th- what is the relationship that I'm meant to have here um, particularly with my husband which is where most of the issues are Father and daughter, for example, has its own dynamic. Um, and, you know, the, the female, with regards to her other relationships with other members of the family, they have their own dynamics as well. But the one that tends to, to dominate and often be the most problematic is the husband and wife one. And again, we see that in our story of Sedna Adam and Sedna Hawa, because it's there that that guardianship of the male is established and it's there that her partnership of him is established and her presence and her a mutual uh, um, her mutual engagement in things with him is established and also where he's taken to account for the slip-up of both of them okay so women on the straight path seek harmony whereas modern feminism is about conflict and it's about creating um, conflict and disagreement and fragmentation of that male-female relationship for uh, ideals and views which are based in the material world. So it's about getting some type of material gain, not just financially, but material gain that might be through power, through political power, through uh, economic power, through um, some type of social change Um, which will basically put women in a different position in relation to men make them superior ultimately and cause a type of degradation um, or deterioration of the status of men and this of course is based in the marxist uh, view of uh, dialectical materialism um, which is it's it's sort of a proper name if you like where it came from and I've done some lectures and things on this before, like there is other material discussing this and one that I did a few months ago called, uh, From Metaphysics to Me Too, which kind of explains this whole thing that we've just started on here with the metaphysics and how we've ended up uh, with the Me Too culture. Um, So going through that, through um, uh, the political, philosophical, and also aesthetic history so noting those changes and as they're represented through art and architecture and going through modernism postmodernism, critical theory uh, cultural marxism until we get to where we are today so uh, it's a whole field of study obviously uh, but the important thing to note is that feminism is not based on seeking harmony or creating harmony or being in harmony with higher and noble principles but rather it's about producing conflict uh, where violent and rebellious acts are seen as necessary to overthrow perceived inequalities and barriers in order to fulfill an ideological ambition of how things should be rather than addressing things according to how they actually are. And that's what an ideology is. So feminism is an ideology uh, which comes from this Marxist view that uh, conflict will produce change. Okay, that's basically what that dialectical materialism is, that uh, in order to get any change, you have to have conflict, a revolution, overthrowing, and then a new uh, a new kind of... Um, series of events and states will be a result of that. Then you will find there's more conflicts and issues that arise. So then you need, so it's like a a progressive thing, then you need more conflict and revolution and overthrowing to change that status quo and then you get a whole new uh, state of events. Then you need to have conflict and revolution and overthrowing and this is how you end up kind of purifying everything and reaching utopia. So reaching this uh, communist utopia whereby everybody will be equal, everyone will be happy, everything will be equally distributed and everyone will live in this kind of utopian bliss on earth. Okay, so this is the goal of the Marxist dialectic. Okay, where conflict produces a new state and a better state. Okay, so that feminism comes from that, that's the basis of it so look at that compared to the harmony that we get from our metaphysical understanding of the world okay and then see well how do those things fit together well they don't okay and here we are now sitting with this whole world of conflict between men and women violence between men and women because women are acting in in a certain way Men are acting in a certain way and there's just this greater and greater um, aggression and conflict and um, a disagreement between them all the time. So this is the complete opposite of what's required from us as men and women as given to us through our metaphysical reality. Another implication or another aspect that we could look at, there is um, respected boundaries versus the consent culture. So this now pretty much goes into our whole Me Too issue and uh, the Me Too movement and the Me Too issues are a result of the complete and utter violation of the respected boundaries between men and women so what Islam does is Islam uh, basically tries to prevent abuse before it can happen Whereas Me Too tries to deal with the consequences of that abuse without looking at the causes of it and addressing those causes. So in Islam and the whole, um, well, one of the main ways in which we understand things from an Islamic perspective is by looking at the causes of things. Why do things happen the way they do? What are the reasons for things? This is kind of our uh, bigger sort of intellectual framework that is used to understand the world and how it works by looking at causes that's a whole field in itself of course that goes into epistemology and everything related there but basically what we look at is stopping the cause of violation rather than trying to mop up the aftermath of when it happens so that's your main difference there so What we do by understanding that men are guardians of women is that we actually honor and respect the fact that men are best placed to look after the interests of women from being violated by other men because men know men very well okay and if you are out there on your own and you're vulnerable and you think that You know you can do it yourself and girl power and all this stuff and that you know you're a modern empowered uh, woman and you're going to go and you know climb the corporate ladder do whatever you want to do and you think that you don't need a man to look after you then you're going to find yourself violated or abused unfortunately and we pray that that doesn't happen because men will take advantage of you okay and this is just a fact and the whole Me Too movement proves that over and over and over again that women who walk away from this concept or turn away or reject this concept that men have a responsibility to look out for their interest and protect them from other men they're, they're the ones who'll be abused first okay and the doors for that abuse are wide open and and women have an inherent sense of vulnerability I mean, women fall for stuff all the time. You know, women, women are soft, women are gullible, um, and, uh, you know, women can all too easily be taken advantage of as our current state of society uh, keeps proving to us. I mean, every single day, just look at the newspaper, just look at the terrible things that go on to women because women have... Uh, taken this view that you know I'm empowered and I don't need a man and that if and that this patriarchy okay that this patriarchy a so-called patriarchy is oppressive but then they go out and get absolutely abused uh, you know by the same patriarchy that if they had a guardian it would have protected them from so of course we can talk about that a lot more but I just wanted to bring that up as a point that when we do try and understand and live um, in accordance with these metaphysical, uh, the establishment of these metaphysical uh, relationships, okay, then we are living in a way which is cleaner and more uh, pure and more respectful and that allows us, because we will have closed the door on abuse and it will allow us to fulfill ourselves and our potential and our ontological purpose of worshipping Allah in a better way. Whereas if we're in this consent culture whereby, you know, I can go out and do what I want and you have to respect me according to my consent, then you're in a big mess. Because what I don't understand is if a woman goes out and shows all of her body practically, you know, or or, you know, like a bikini, topless on the beach or if she is wearing extremely revealing clothing and then there's some guy out there who gets the idea that she's, she wants something from him, then where does consent stop and start? Because she's already consented to him uh, admiring her, desiring her, uh, looking at her, uh, perhaps even touching her so she's already consented to his um heightened sexual interest in her okay now a man can walk down the street amongst a whole bunch of women and if they're all covered then he's doesn't have any sort of um stimulated uh, sexual response to them you know they're just women and that's fine and he's not stimulated in any way but as soon as flesh is shown, then that changes and men are extremely visual. And I remember someone in my family saying not so long ago that that he finds it so difficult, and this is a really respectable man, that he finds it really difficult when he goes out because of the advertising and the billboards and everything out there, that he feels all the time that he is assaulted visually um, by this uh, super eroticized and sexualized Uh, imagery out there so you know he has to really like and he doesn't want to feel like that all the time you know men don't want to be um stimulated all the time you know men want to go about and do what they do without having this constant sexual thing thrown in their face and so because that's so intense and so extreme and so exaggerated all the time then you know men can't always keep themselves in check because it's like You know, everybody loves sugar. Now, if you're going to walk around your entire life and they're surrounded by donuts, you're going to eat donuts all the time, right? And it's going to be really hard to control yourself. And so, not that I'm trying to equate women and donuts or anything, but I'm just trying to say that, you know, we are creatures of temptation and that we will give in very easily to the things around us that tempt us. And for men, their temptation is women and we know this in the Prophet ﷺ, he said that you know he didn't leave anything uh, that was more more tempting and more potentially dangerous for men than women so women have a responsibility to uh, not allow men to fall into that and if you just turn around and say well you know men are so pathetic they can't even control themselves well You're putting them in an extreme situation and if you don't put those temptations in front of them they can control themselves of course they can but if you're going to be so extreme and literally shove flesh in front of their faces every single time they they go out like everywhere even in 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 the house it's not like you go out and come home and it's gone it's everywhere then you can't expect them okay to overcome that temptation and that potential for weakness all the time you know it's totally unrealistic just as you yourself like as i said you know if if you're walking around and you have donuts shoved in your face you know every single moment of the day you're going to end up eating more donuts than you want to you know because this is um, human nature so the consent culture is really confusing and it doesn't just come to uh, the point of, well, you know, you can see me, you can touch me, you can do whatever you want to me, but uh-oh, at the very end, no, no, I don't want that. Well, how does that work when you've allowed for every other thing to happen prior to that? And then, of course, you know, often it does happen, and then the woman says, you know, I didn't want that. Well, what did you want? You know, you wanted it to be looked at, you want it to be desired, you want it to be ogled, you want it to feel valued, through your um, acceptance or a validity of your sexual expression, but then at, at the very end, you don't want that. So, this is very confusing and, of course, bound to be transgressed. So, finally, our last point here the fulfillment of the metaphysical purpose. So, as we've said, um, you know, women on the straight path are seeking that, whereas modern feminism is born from the opposite of that. Um, modern feminism comes from this Marxist view which uh, exists absolutely contrary to metaphysics because it because in metaphysics you accept that every single thing in nature that is material and everything that is beyond the material that there's an interconnectedness that there's interrelationships and that things have a particular way of being in relation to each other so there's a complete and integrated whole okay you're looking at everything holistically on every single level whereas the kind of uh, as we said the dialectical materialism of marx that he put forward he puts forward this view that the real reality of things is this law of conflict and change which results from that conflict so even though we know that everything changes all the time you know we believe that this is due to the divine unfolding of the plan and that this is quite different to a interfered with type of transformation that human beings uh, will seek to create a conflict around in order to produce some type of short-term or material gain for whatever it is so that's the main difference as we've said and also the fulfillment of uh, of, a, of the metaphysical purpose does not have three, in particular, the three qualities of arrogance, jealousy, and love of the dunya. And that these are the three uh, characteristics of feminism. Because feminism is based on having an arrogance over men. So not seeking harmony with men, but seeking to be to put men down, to belittle men because they're men, and then seeking to kind of um, stand on their toes and step up over them. So there's an inherent arrogance in it, which is the opposite of harmony and uh, humbleness towards each other if you are trying to fulfill the metaphysical purpose. Um, jealousy, because women want what men have got. So women think that, okay, men are perceived to have all this power and this money and everything and you know we want that too so there's a jealousy there and then also the love of this dunya love for this worldly life uh, because feminism is not at all about the next life and preparing oneself for that and living in this life a dunya masra'at as imam al-ghazari says that this dunya this worldly life is the cultivating ground of the next life so whatever it is that you cultivate and plant and nurture and grow here Um, you will see the consequence of that good and bad in the next life. But because modern feminism is born from an entirely atheistic uh, worldview, then that obviously has no place, no relevance, because it doesn't even exist. So these are a couple of our kind of key points about the difference between the attitude and the outlook of women on the straight path versus modern feminism. So we'll end it there, inshallah. And uh, if you have any questions or anything, please uh, write them now, and we can address that, inshallah. Wassalamualaikum But sometimes men will abuse, even though women are covered. Yes, of course, men need to البصر, lower their gaze and women need to protect themselves so it's a responsibility on both Um, yeah absolutely and that's not disputed ever um, and that's known and that's uh, men are told to lower their gaze and women are told to lower their gaze of course this is a mutual responsibility and I'm not saying that it's not Um, and men do need to look after themselves and what they do and so do women so again this comes down to distortion of the balance there the point that I'm trying to make is that if women do the wrong thing men follow okay so if women allow for men to act in a bad way men will act in a bad way okay and that doesn't mean that a man is not responsible he is 100% responsible for himself but the 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 mutual responsibility is that a woman has the wisdom and the knowledge and the strength to be able to conduct herself in a way that doesn't allow for a man to take advantage of something there and then end up using that against her. So when a woman is really responsible for herself, she's also being responsible for men, okay, because she's not giving them an opportunity. And when a man is really being responsible for himself, then he's not looking to women for any opportunity and even if he does see a woman who is dressed in a very very provocative way he's still able to look away and not control uh, sorry and control himself and not fall for that so it's very much about degrees and there's sort of a large scale of degrees there and you know some will will obviously do a lot better than others and this is also one of the problems with feminism is that it just paints everybody with the same brush. So it's like, well, you know, um, men and women are responsible for their own behaviour and towards each other, yes, Uh, but really it's sort of saying that, you know, men aren't strong enough, men aren't uh, good enough, you know, men aren't able to control themselves and women can do whatever they want and that, you know, a woman doesn't have this responsibility really for a man because he's responsible for himself and she can do whatever she wants and if a man is weak that's his problem that's not fair okay that's really not fair and by calling all men weak and by saying that all women should have this freedom and making it very polarized like that then you're actually uh covering up the real issues there that men and women have a responsibility to be in harmony with each other and that that harmony has certain rules and there's a way to be in harmony with each other and that's established in our story of of Seidna Hawa okay and Seidna Adam they showed us that so if we go back to that and then use that as our scale as our yardstick as our means for measuring what's harmonious and what isn't then we'll be in a much better position to be able to, to look at human behaviour and to enable people to act responsibly in the way that they should For themselves and for each other Um, yeah of course women are not always to blame uh, because sometimes men have mental condition which is also women has okay but men tend to express it more since it's a patriarchal society brought by modern life yeah i mean you know that's definitely a view um i personally disagree with that because um you know i think our concept of patriarchy is a very negative one and I think the view that Islam gives us of this you know so-called patriarchy is where men take better responsibility for those around them which is women and fulfill their role of looking after their own interests and the interests of women and that's positive and that's constructive and that's wholesome and that helps keep people on the straight path but if our concept of patriarchy is determined only by what modern feminists tell us that patriarchy is an inherently oppressive structure that exists to make sure that women are permanently inferior and degraded and uh, um, prevented from a good quality of life and from you know all these things then we're actually approaching it from a different point of view. So what needs to be really discussed and to understand when you're having these conversations with people is, well, what's your concept of patriarchy? Because the the modern view is, is of course, extremely negative, whereas the Islamic view is one that is extremely wholesome and positive and enables a healthy society. So uh, again, you know, we, we need to define things well in order to understand where we're all coming from and to work these things out and get a proper understanding inshallah. Walaikum salam. you mentioned earlier that men are guardians of the women and that women can be taken advantage of at work. For example, in practice, how are our men supposed to protect us in this context? And also what about women who do not have reliable men as their guardians? Uh, Yeah, that's an issue. Um, ineffective fathers who do not understand their role as guardians of women yes uh, they're 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 good and uh, y- you know difficult things to answer and they're they're all results really so for example if you're at work so you know how are, how are your your father or your husband meant to protect you well I mean obviously they they can't because you're in your own environment there and uh, you've been put there in a certain Uh, context where they they're not allowed to have a role okay because you're going in there as an independent person who's going working for a company or a wage or doing what you're doing and this is about you as an individual not as you as part of a broader family structure for example so it's not about you being the daughter of so-and-so or the wife of so-and-so it's just about you and so this has now got to do with the the structure of our economic system so it makes it very difficult for your interest to be protected by those around you because you're going into a whole context which doesn't recognize that in the first place it's not about that so this is now where we have an issue and it's like well what do you do then you know do you um you know women can work out of necessity and everything of course that's always the case but in previous societies that were not so secular in their um, in their origin, then you know there was a whole different approach because people understood better anyway. So the men in in your workplace then would have had much more respect and and uh, given women their space in the way they're meant to. Whereas now that doesn't exist. Okay, so it's not that you can't work. You know, nothing like. Of course you can work. You know, of course, of course you can work. Um, But the point is, you know, you're sort of going to have to take that responsibility that somebody else would have taken for you previously or that would have been known in that context previously by the people that you're with. So you sort of have to overcompensate in a way and then that makes it difficult because the corporate culture is all about teamwork and you know being chatty and and, you know having this whole kind of um, mutual um, kind of collegial type of environment between the people in the workforce so that means that you are constantly being compromised like you can't just go to work and do your work and come home you know you're expected to behave in a certain way and you will be judged accordingly so human resources and management will come and see to what extent are you a team player to what extent are you social in the office You know, do people like you and respect you? And then the nature of women is to be overboard on that. So you'll find a man in the office, for example, who's kind of a bit moody, who's, uh, you know, not the most social guy and a bit of a grump. And everyone will go, oh, you know, Fulan so and so. Oh, he's a bit of a grump. He's a bit of a pain in the neck to work with. But women never want to be that person. And women really try hard to be the one who's the most agreeable, who's the most liked who's the most popular one in the office because that's more part of women's nature whereas the man who's a grump he doesn't care who thinks he's a grump he just goes and does his job gets paid for it and he's done but women are not like that they can't, they can't relate like that because women have this social side so you know this, these are our issues you know I don't know what the answer is is the answer that you don't go to work well maybe for some but if you need the money then you're going to have to go to work so it's hard, I don't know, I don't have an answer but you know, by working through what the issues are and understanding it more, then inshallah we can uh, make uh, good decisions um, for ourselves and those around us, inshallah. Wa'ikum <inaudible> salam, you briefly highlighted the rights between father and daughter when you were expounding upon harmonious marriages. Can you also elaborate upon the father and daughter rights relationship? as i find it interesting that was mentioned instead of mother and daughter um yeah father and daughter really is about the parent and the child and there's often a different dynamic between father and daughter than there is between father and son or mother and son and mother and daughter so um I can't remember exactly um, what I said when I mentioned that. Uh, But fathers really have to, or they should anyway, understand that the daughter needs to be raised in such a way that she has a very strong sense of herself, okay, and who she is and her strengths and her abilities. And he should raise her to be a very empowered and confident woman and that that is what's going to stand her in good stead when she gets married because it's not about being subservient and submissive and some sort of uh, you know servant to your husband but as we saw with Sayyidina Hawa she was the mutual partner with Sedna Adam she was involved in every single thing that he was involved in And it's not about his life and her life, but it's about their life together. So the father really needs to make sure that his daughter has a a well-developed and strong personality and is confident and is able to deal with the, the issues and the everyday ups and downs of marriage. And then the mother's role with the daughter is to make sure that she's able to fulfill those uh, service duties and domestic duties and to how to run a household and things like that. And that this is also part of her strength because if you've got the patience, if you've been raised to have the patience uh, to to do what it takes um, to run a household and raise a family, then you've been given a tremendous gift because uh, the young women who are, you know, today, they, they totally disrespect the domestic sphere you know they disrespect and they don't honor um what it means to have a domestic role they think it's degrading they think it's uh, inferior and they, they think it's just useless and a waste of time whereas if a mother can teach the daughter you know that your um your character is actually a part of the way that you run this household and the success of your family depends on who you are as a person and if the mother can teach her that then she's really given her something uh very very important and and it's not just about this superficial cooking cleaning washing yeah we all cook and clean and wash and men do that as well that's just a part of daily life but it's more than that it's the attitude that you bring to it and it's the confidence that you have as a person to be able to deal with these things in life um you can always put boundaries and they need to respect that of course of course always boundaries Um, and uh, that's the problem when these boundaries are not put there in the first place so uh, you know the problem with women today and feminism at large is that it teaches us that we don't need boundaries at the beginning but of course there's all these gross violations that go on because there are no boundaries and then all of a sudden they want to come in and put all these uh, other uh, barriers up to try and protect women when they should have done that at the beginning rather than trying to clean up the problems at the end. So one example of that is, um, I think it was recently, I might have mentioned this before, that uh, in Japan, the head of the Olympics committee, this was a few months ago, uh, was in a Zoom meeting with some uh, people on the committee, whoever he was working with, and some of them were women and he apparently made some comment about you know how women behave in the meeting like that, that, that women are particularly chatty or something he was making an observation and that was uh, interpreted as him putting women down and making a sexist statement about women so he he was forced to resign from his job okay and you know obviously very senior position senior older man uh you know who knows perhaps highly respected in his field whatever been around for a long time got this role and now because he's made one comment one observation that you know women behave in a certain way in a meeting gone like his whole career everything's wrecked okay so now coming in at the end with this really strong and uh, like part of the cancel culture part of this uh you know you can't do that type of attitude and now penalizing people that's not how you establish a boundary you have to establish a boundary at the beginning and you have to make sure that people know and understand what those boundaries are and that they themselves hold themselves accountable uh, for respecting those boundaries and not transgressing those boundaries so obviously in different cultures it's going to be different but from an islamic perspective Uh, our boundaries are clear very very clear and it doesn't benefit anybody if those boundaries are disrespected or if they are degraded first of all disrespected and not adhered to and everybody suffers not just the people involved directly but everyone around them and it begins to be a cause for the erosion of the social fabric and society at large yeah I mean these are just issues you know we're just discussing issues we're just talking about you know some of the more complex aspects of these issues but just to summarize and finish up you know if we if we go back to our story here our metaphysical and um, understanding of what happened in that unseen world when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the creator said Adam and his wife his partner and made her the zulj, the soldier for him and he's the soldier for her made them a pair, an equal pair in terms of their, their faith and their relationship to each other, um, their honouring each other and their understanding and behaviour of each other. So if we can go back to that and use that as our reference, then uh, inshallah we, we will have gotten something of what we were meant to get from that story and there's many other aspects to it as well. Um, that's just one portion that we've chosen to focus on now. Uh, but if we can look at that inshallah we will have expanded our understanding tremendously and that will help us inshallah overcome these um, this falsehood that feminism tries to put to us this concept that there's freedom and expansion in the rejection of all those rules and doing what you want when in actual fact the reality of it is a complete a constriction and uh, a limitation because uh, you're actually preventing women from being the real people that they are that we learn from that metaphysical framework so i hope that's you know kind of clear a little bit in the sense that we've discussed some of that um and thank you very much for your comments and and your questions and for your involvement um you know it's really important that That we have these opportunities to talk about these things because it's really confusing and uh, i'm you know always uh, open to discussing these things anytime and as i said i have had a couple of other courses and things and intend to have more uh, on these issues so uh, inshallah i hope to be able to chat about these things with you again inshallah and we ask allah to really make us uh, women on the straight path women with a deep and profound understanding of our purpose um, of why we're here and how to be here and how to relate to the other half of humanity, which is men, how to relate to each other and uh, how to really fulfill this role of being a, a female, a woman human being, inshallah, in the best of ways, in the ways that's most pleasing to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the way that uh, enables us to, to live with sidq, with a truthfulness and ikhlas, with sincerity, according to the way of the Prophet, and uh, inshallah, to, to fulfill that as, as deeply and as uh, purposefully as possible, inshallah. Jazakumul Khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.